We are officially live on Facebook. Okay, well, hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Football Insiders podcast show, The Inside Track. I'm your host, Lewis Pears, and with me today, I am joined by former England and Tottenham goalkeeper, Paul Robinson, and our transfers expert, the Scoop King, Pete O'Rourke. We're currently live on deadline date. The time is 10.03 a.m. UK time, and we've got exclusive news and stories about all the latest deals as the clock ticks towards that deadline shutting. Pete, without further ado, I won't do any more talking. Can you take us through, please, the latest deals that we may have missed overnight or that are happening this morning? Yeah, obviously, it's been a bit of a quiet uh, January transfer window so far, but there is a few deals on the cards on deadline day right now. My understanding is that Burnley are trying to pull off a shock signing of Thomas Mounier from Borussia Dortmund, the Belgium international defender. Um, he hasn't played as much this season. He's had a he's had an injury at the start of the season for Dortmund, but I think Vincent Company's trying to use his old Belgium contacts here to try and get this deal done. And he's a player with a great CV. He's played at the highest level for club and country. Uh, that's my phone going as well. That's just in the middle of it. Um, so well, yeah, might be a transfer, mate. You better answer. It might be a transfer. <laughs> Let's see if it's a big one or not. Um, but yeah, I think obviously Burnley. We know they've had defensive issues this season, conceding too many goals. Um, I think getting someone like Thomas Mooney in with his experience and his know-how could be a, an astute signing for Burnley. So they're trying to do that one from Borussia Dortmund on loan. Um, also, West Ham in talk to maybe make a defensive signing of their own uh, before the deadline today. Obviously, they've been linked with a lot of attacking <coughs> players uh, this month uh, just to sort of bolster David Moyes' side. But my understanding is they're also in talks with French club Le Havre over a deal for a very highly rated young centre-back, Aruna Sangante, who is the club captain at Le Havre. A number of top clubs have been to watch the centre-back in action this season, but West Ham are now exploring a late loan deal for Sangante, and I think he'd be one more for the future rather than straight into the team now, but very highly really young player. So that could be a surprise deal on the cards for West Ham uh, before the 11pm deadline tonight. And then a player who's in a lot of demand um, before the deadline closes today is Harry Suter, the Leicester City defender. Not really been getting much game time for Leicester this season. It looks like he doesn't figure in Enzo Moresca's plans this season and how he wants Leicester City to play. He's obviously hoping to maybe move on in search of regular first-team football. There's been interest from Sheffield United, uh, who are obviously desperate for defensive reinforcements. But now, my understanding is that Leeds have now uh, joined the chase firm and are exploring a deal for Suter. Obviously, it's a complicated deal as well because he is currently away on international duty at the Asian Cup. But both uh, Leeds and Sheffield United are looking to see if they can maybe do a loan deal for Harry Suter, who was a, a mover in the last January transfer window when he left Stoke City in a big money deal to Leicester City, but he could be on, he could be on the move again in this January transfer window as well. So that's a few things that are possibly on the go, but I'm sure there'll be other deals that maybe crop up between now and 11 o'clock as well. And if we rewind then right back to the beginning to about Thomas Mounier, Pete, do you think that comes down to the fact that the Belgian link between company and Mounier, is that the real driving force behind this deal potentially? Yeah, I think it's obviously a big driving force for Thomas Mounier. As I said, he's had a, a great career. He's linked with some top clubs uh, not so long ago. I know Manchester United a couple of seasons ago were very keen on him. He's played for PSG, Borussia Dortmund in Champions League, everything else. And he's never hidden his desire, I think, to play in the Premier League. So I'm sure Vincent Company will be using uh, all his powers of persuasion to maybe convince him to make that move to Burnley and see if he can maybe be the difference for them and helping them in their survival bit as well. So be a huge lift uh, on the pitch and I think also in the dressing room as well if you've got a player of that experience and calibre to come into the Turf more dressing room so I think it would be a big sign for Burnley if they can get it done Yeah, absolutely What do, what are your thoughts, Paul? Do you think that would be a good move? Obviously they do need reinforcements last night they were unfortunate in that loss against Manchester City What do you reckon? Yeah, I think they need defensive reinforcement I think that's been something that, that's the key for Burnley all season I think they've hoarded wingers without getting full-backs and defensive cover um, a big problem there is he's conceding too many goals, but you just wonder is it a little bit too a little bit too little too late, if you like. When you look at the league table, you look how them and Sheffield United are becoming cut adrift at the bottom. But listen, <clears throat> they've got to have a go. They've got to try and stay in the window. Um, it's been a really poor window, hasn't it, on the whole? I mean, we, we really are scratching around today for looking at deals, and that's obviously how clubs are feeling as well. But if, if Vincent Company can bring in uh, Munez, it'll be a, a fantastic signing. It'll probably go straight into the side, um, his experience, his leadership. And a player like that will will give Burnley a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pete, you obviously mentioned there as well, West Ham looking at the Le Havre captain and star. 
What sort of a player can West Ham be expecting? Is he a tall centre back? What, what sort of defender will they be expecting through the door if he does if he does join? Yeah, he's he's a cultured centre back. Um, great leadership skills to be a captain at the age of twenty one as well. I think that shows that he's done that. He helped Le Havre win promotion to Ligue 1 last season, and he's uh, impressed this season as well in the French top flight. Um, but yeah, big strong centre back, um, but is also good in the ball as well. And I think he's got real high ceiling here to reach he's got huge potential and somebody who's got all the attributes to be a success in the premier league so i think it'll definitely be a, a smart signing by west ham if they can get this deal done um obviously Le Havre would prefer a permanent deal while west ham are hoping to get the the young player on loan as well but yeah good player a lot of top clubs have looked at him the likes of chelsea manchester united fulham other top european clubs like dortmund have all sent scouts to watch him in action this year so I think if West Ham can get him, it could, could be a bit of a, a coup for them as well. So they're still working to try and get that deal done. And obviously we know West Ham are working on a potential couple of outs as well with Saeed Benrama, maybe on his way to Leon, and also Pablo Fornells and talks over a potential move to Real Betis. So yeah, it could be a busy day down at the London Stadium. Are you expecting both of those to exit, Pete? Are you expecting them to leave? Yeah, I'd expect um, Ben Rama to move on. Obviously, the deal's been agreed between the clubs. It's now the final decision of the player if he wants to make that move to Leon, who find themselves surprisingly in a relegation fight in France's top flight this season as well. So I think if he wants regular first-team football, it, it's a deal that should uh, suit all parties as well, while Real Betis and Pablo Fornells, uh, Manuel Pellegrini is the manager at Betis, who obviously knows all about Fornells from his time uh, previously at West Ham. And... Two clubs are trying to sort out a fee on that one. So that's not as far advanced as the Ben Rama one as well. But I'd imagine Betis will be pushing to try and get that deal done. And then maybe that could free up space in the squad for West Ham to make a late move of their own for an attacking player. And how about Harry Suter then? You mentioned, of course, he's away with Australia. They are playing tomorrow against South Korea. How does that work in terms of today, Pete? Of course, sounds like there's going to be some interest. How will they get a medical done? What will that process be if, if one of these deals does start to advance? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think they'll be able to do a medical as he's away at the Asian Cup. You just have to take a bit of a gamble on him that he's okay. He's playing games, so he's obviously fit and everything else. But yeah, I think you just have to go with it. And if they are keen to get this player, you're going to have to take that gamble and maybe do the medical later on. But I'm sure for Leeds and Sheffield United, they're both looking for that centre-back option, especially Sheffield United. They've been searching around, scrambling for players, the likes of Joe Worrell, from Nottingham Forest, Mason Holgate, also at Everton. But yeah, Chris Wilder wants to get at least one centre back in before the end of the window, while Leeds themselves are also looking for that defensive uh, reinforcement uh, due to the injury to Pascal Stroik. So Harry Suter hasn't worked out for him at Leicester City. There's no doubt about that. But I think whenever he's played for Australia, you can see he is a, he is a good player. And I think he would definitely be a, a good addition for either Sheffield United or Leeds. He's powerful in both boxes. And I think he might find a player who's got a point to prove after what's happened to him at Leicester. He loves scoring for Australia as well. If I'm not mistaken in saying, he's actually not that far off Mark Viduka's record for them. Nope. So he's, he's doing... Well. Fun, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Um, Paul, do you think actually bringing him in would really reinforce Leeds' title? Oh, well, promotion push, we should, we should say. Yeah, listen, they've got a really strong squad. I've said it for a long time. Leeds and Leicester have got the two strongest squads in the Championship. Whether they're the best team or not, that's time will tell. But there's no point in Leeds signing players in January that they're going to bring into their squad that could potentially have, you know, have potential for the future because they don't know whether they're going to be a championship or a Premier League side next year. They need to bring in players that will fit straight into that starting eleven, And the starting eleven strong. They've got a very, very strong bench. But that is an area that they've looked at. I know that they've looked at the, the boy from Everton. Is it Holgate from Everton? I think they've looked at as well. Um, and it's an area with Pascal Stroik been injured. Um, Joe Rodon's played there this season. He's been outstanding but he's not had a regular partner, Liam Cooper. And as we know, he's coming towards the twilight of his career. But there's different players that have played in that position. Centre-back and left-back have been a problem position for Leeds. Listen, we know it's been a quiet window, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some action at Ellen Road today in those two positions. Absolutely. I mean, Pete, if we talk about any other deals potentially that are happening, one player I know that, that Football Insider reported quite closely on is Armando Broya. Looks like he could potentially leave Chelsea on loan. Do you have any updates about that? I know you're busy texting and typing away. So when you're, yeah, how, what, what's that looking like for Broya? Do you expect him to, to leave Stamford Bridge on loan or do you think he'll stay at the club? Oh, it's a tough one. I think it's going to go right to the wire, this Armando Broya one. Um, obviously, Wolves did make an inquiry for him, but they weren't obviously keen on the paying for a loan fee for him. Uh, I think that's going to be the sticking point. Obviously, Chelsea initially were looking 
35 million for Armando Brogia, which I thought was uh, very excessive for a player who's hardly played and has come back from a serious injury not too long ago either. So neither Fulham or Wolves were willing to meet those demands. Chelsea have now admitted they would let Brogia go if they did receive a 5 million loan fee, but even a 5 million loan fee, I think, is uh, proving a bit steep for both Fulham and uh, Wolves right now as well. So as it stands right now, I don't think Fulham are willing to pay that 5 million loan fee. Wolves definitely aren't either. So unless Chelsea change their stance, uh, Armando Brogia could end up staying at Stamford Bridge. And I don't think that would be any good for his career because he obviously isn't uh, part of the long-term plans at Stamford Bridge as well. So I think for the player's sake, he probably does need to move out and get regular first-team football. Paul, there was a bit of a head shake there as, as, as Pete was talking. What, were your, what are your thoughts around Brogia? Well, I just think a fee for a player who hasn't done it at the top flight. I mean, you know, he had a decent low spell at Southampton and, and he looked a player. He's come back to Chelsea and we know that Chelsea have had problems scoring goals this season. And if they're willing to let Broya go and also, obviously, they'd have to go into the market and look for to solve that problem themselves. I just think the type of figures that have been talked about for a player who's unproven at the top level, you can understand why people are, are frowning at the, the loan fee, never mind the 35, 40 million touted around to, to buy the player who's unproven at that level. Listen, he's, he's a young player. He's clearly a talented player, but he's got a, a lot to prove. And it's, and it's a big risk if you're taking a player on loan between now and the end of the season in January and you're paying a four or five million loan fee, you want a player who's going to guarantee you an impact in your side. And he's not going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. If we move on to a quite an interesting deal that we've spoken about previously on, on, on previous episodes, so make sure to go and listen back if you have missed it. Antonio Nusa looked like he was going to be joining Brentford. Looks like that's fallen through. Pete, can we expect any movement before the window with him, or do you think that's looking like it's going to be a summer a, a summer move potentially? Yeah, I think this one's looking more likely to happen in the summer for Antonio Nusa. Obviously, Tottenham were leading the race for the young Norwegian, and then Brentford came in and uh, put a big bid in of twenty-five million pounds plus for the player, which was accepted by Club Bruges. It seemed like he was going to be making that move to Brentford, but then there was uh, complications in his medical, so that put the sort of breaks on that deal to happen this month. Brentford are still keen on signing the player. Again, he's a very highly rated young winger. He talked about as uh, the Norwegian Messi, which uh, I'm sure is a great name for him to have on his shoulders at such a young, young age. But No pressure. Brentford, no pressure at all. He'll be fine with that one. But yeah, he's, he's a talented player. There's no doubt about that. He would be the typical type of Brentford signing, uh, somebody that they can come in and sign and develop and then maybe sell on in the future for a huge profit but yeah i don't think that deal's going to happen this month but brentford still keen to do it and they will definitely revisit it in the summer but if they don't uh, get a deal done quickly it could leave the door open for other clubs to maybe make a move for noosa because we know tottenham are interested um and i believe also that newcastle are admirers of the player as well but haven't been able to do anything this month because of their own ffp constraints as well so yeah i think it's a deal to keep an eye out for in the summer Paul, would you like to see him at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Would he be a good addition to the squad, do you think? Well, that's you've hit the nail on the head there. He'd be an addition to the squad, whereas somewhere like Brentford, he'd go in and he'd play. No disrespect, but he'd go in and he'd, he'd want to play first-team football. And if he was to choose Brentford, if the options were Tottenham or Newcastle, he's got an opportunity to go into Brentford and play. And for Brentford, let's be honest, it would be a coup for them because since they've been in the Premier League, that's one thing that they haven't been able to do, get the bigger signings in, if you like, compete with the likes of Tottenham and Newcastle for players and if they are to bring him in, it's, it would be a real coup for them. For Tottenham, it would be another one into the stable. You look at the forward play, you look at the, the prowess that they had on the pitch last night. Johnson coming off the bench at half-time. You would think that he's, he's certainly going to be one for the future, not a regular starter. Newcastle, I know we're going to talk about them shortly, but we, we don't know what's going to happen with them. The, the reshuffling of Eddie Howe's pack. As a young player who wants to come and play in the Premier League, if his ambition is to, to play first-team football, then, then Brentford would look like the, the sensible option. But with the deal stumbling as it is seemingly not going to happen in January then it opens the window for, for a lot more vultures to, to come looking in the summer yeah I think it's spot on I think it could be a really good sign for Brentford if they do pull it off Pete if you're all content and if there's any other deals let us know otherwise if, if you're happy we can we can move on to part two of the podcast oh just a quick one one to keep an eye on is uh Hugo Ekateke at PSG uh, a few Premier League clubs including Fulham and Burnley <laughs> Both looking at late moves for him. Obviously, he's been linked with moves to the Premier League before. During the last summer transfer window, there was talk of interest from West Ham. And then a couple of windows ago, Newcastle were very close to signing him as well. So he could be a late mover maybe to the Premier League, maybe to Fulham if they don't uh, 
managed to do a great deal for Ar- Armando Brogia. So yeah, Ekateki's maybe an, a name to keep a lookout for. Do you think he'd be? Would he be a good fit at Craven Cottage? Would he? Would he be the, the, the sort of the number nine that they're looking for? Yeah, I think he, he's he's a good player. Obviously, Paris Saint Germain spent a lot of money on him when they did sign him from Ream a, a couple of seasons ago. He's not had much of a look in in the star-studded uh, attack of PSG, but. He's a quality player. He had a good goal scoring record before his move to PSG. So I think he'd definitely be an upgrade for Fulham and what they've got up front right now. They're pretty uh, short of attacking options now. Raul Jimenez looks like he's picked up an injury as well. So I think uh, if they can't get a deal for, done for Brogia, I think obviously Ekateke could be a good alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can move on to part two of our podcast, which is more of a general summary of the window. Pete, of course, please, if there's any other news, do keep us posted. Let us know as we continue. But a quick disclaimer in here for anyone listening. We have a, we have about 12 hours until the window shuts. This is more of a look back at the entire window without taking into account, of course, any late deals that may happen today as we've discussed or that happen later on. So if we start with potentially the best deals of the window, Paul, I'm going to come to you. Who have you pinpointed when you looked at them moving from X to Y, you actually said that's a really good signing? Oh, there's one that really stands out for me. And there's there's a bias in there, but it's Calvin Phillips. I just think it's a fantastic signing for both him and for West Ham. I think what he will bring to that side, the, the stability, what Declan Rice left there, the, the recruitment at West Ham has been sensational, I think, since, since Declan Rice has left. But I think with Calvin Phillips going in there and taking up that more defensive role, I know Paquette is injured at the moment, but you look at the attacking talent that they've got. Kudus is away on international duty, but Paquetta, Kudus, Bowen, and particularly James Ward-Prowse, I think he just frees them and gives them so much more licence to go forward. So the attacking football that the West Ham fans have, have been crying crying out for, and David Moyes has been criticised for his defensive style, if you like. Listen, Calvin Phillips will bolster that defensive side. It will make him very, very hard to beat. And I just think if you look at it from another angle, he frees up all the forward players, especially James Ward-Prowse in attacking areas. I think he's they're not just signing a quality player, they're signing an athlete. They're not signing a player who's going to take two, three, four games to get match fit. He's fit. He's like ridiculously fit. One of the fittest players in the Premier League. As you see where Gareth Southgate puts him in for England when he hasn't played at Manchester City. He's a player that not necessarily have a point to prove, but he's got his eye on the plane to Germany at the end of the season, and rightly so, because he's a quality player. And I just think that the loan fee um, potential there for, for a longer-term deal, if he can settle in London, listen, we know he's we know he's a Leeds boy, we know he's gone across to Manchester, which is not too far from here. If the move down to London works for him, it could be a really, really good signing for both parties. And I think the impact that he'll have between now and the end of the season gives him the opportunity to keep competing in Europe, to keep pushing for that European place in the league. And listen, the stats sixth in the Premier League, um, still competing in Europe with half the fans unhappy at the manager. Not a bad place to be, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely could be a lot worse. That, that That's absolutely for sure. Pete, if, if that deal does work out, if Calvin Phillips does flourish at West Ham, can we expect the deal to be permanent? Could we see a move actually happening long term for, for Calvin Phillips? Yeah, I think there's a real potential that could become permanent. Obviously, Manchester City will be open to that permanent move uh, as long as they get a decent transfer fee for him. Probably looking at £40 million plus for Calvin Phillips. Again, if he does well at West Ham and then goes away to the Euros and does uh, well for England, it's just going to increase his price tag as well and probably uh, enhance his whole reputation and maybe bring more clubs to the table because I'm sure if Calvin Phillips does become available in the summer, which we fully expect him to do, I'm sure there'll be a number of clubs, not just West Ham, who would be interested in the former Leeds midfielder. Um, If he can regain his form that he showed during his time at Leeds, I'm sure um, a lot of Premier League clubs will be interested in Calvin Phillips uh, come this summer as well. So West Ham... Obviously in the box seat, maybe to make that deal permanent right now. Uh, if he goes there, impresses and settles into the club quite well, I'm sure Calvin Phillips will be more than happy to turn that loan move into a permanent deal as well, as would David Moyes. I'm sure David Moyes would like to sign him permanently now if he could, but uh, the price tag's probably just out of reach for West Ham, especially in this January transfer window. But I think definitely come the summer, more clubs will have more leeway, uh, bigger budgets to maybe go and do deals for Calvin Phillips. So. Uh, the ball is in Calvin Phillips's court right now. If he goes and impresses, uh, it'll be more than just West Ham who will be trying to sign him in the summer. And without stating the obvious, I think the, the David Moyes will have played a huge part in that transfer. You know, the, 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 man, the man management, the personality of the manager. We all know that his future's up in the air. We don't know what's happening with him. So I think the, the future of David Moyes would play a huge part in the potential permanent signing of Calvin. Yeah, I think that's right. And again, that remains to be seen too. So that's one to keep an eye on, on Football Insider. 
Pete, if you had to pick any best deals of the window, have you got any names that you'd go for and you'd say, actually, you think they were either A, standouts, or B, they could really go on and flourish? Um, well, there's only been 18 signings in the Premier League, so we have, there is slim pickings to choose from. Um, like Paul said, Calvin Phillips is a great deal. I'd probably look at Timo Werner at Tottenham. I think it was a move that sort of caught people by surprise. No, no one expected it. Um, obviously, he's he's played a few games now, and I think he's he's done okay. It's obviously, I think, still more to come from Timo Werner. But yeah, they're signing a the player who's come over from RB Leipzig, where he wasn't playing. Um, he's a versatile player; he can play out wide or down the middle. So he definitely adds options to add and put side. I thought he had a decent game against Brentford last night as well. Helped Spurs in that comeback win, and he could be vital for Spurs in this uh, push for a top four finish or even a title challenge if uh, Spurs can maintain their form between now and the end of the season as well. But he's a different option for Ange Postacoglu. Um, as I said, with uh, Son away on international duty, I think he, he slotted in quite well. And he's he's got great experience, a great CV. Remember, he's a Champions League winner from his time at Chelsea as well. So I think he could be a... He's obviously started off quite well. And if he can add a few more goals between now and the end of the season, he could be a really smart signing for Tottenham. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, again, remains to be seen, really, if, if that one's made permanent as well. One I'd like to ask both of you is, what about Jaden Sancho going the other way to Dortmund? Do you think that actually could be a really positive move for him? Although it's, of course, leaving the Premier League. Go on, Paul, you go. Um, for him, yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've spoke before on Football Insider about what people haven't looked into this transfer. For me, it was a nod in the direction of the manager. It was Manchester United backing the manager because they paid uh, a huge transfer fee for Drayden Sancho. He's not performed, he's underperformed. The, the expectation level hasn't been reached. They paid a huge transfer fee for him. They paid huge wages on a regular basis for him and they haven't been able to get the best out of him. And they've fallen out with the manager, yet the, the club have backed the manager after all what they've spent and all the whole outlay. They've backed the manager and the manager said he doesn't want him in the squad and, and they've shipped him out. I think the, the frustrating thing for Manchester United fans is that as soon as he goes back to Dortmund in his first game back, he's kissing the badge. Um, and there's there's more coming out, you know, there's more stories about him and about his personality that, that we're learning. But I think he's he's got a job to get his career back on track. And I think he realised that um, regardless of as, how he is as a person off the field. he's He's been clever enough to realise that he's once flourishing young career of this outstanding young footballer who hit the heights with the England squad, etc., has really hit the buffers and it's hit the buffers in a hard way. And he's had to get out of Manchester United for his own personal reasons. And he's had to get his career back on track and by going somewhere familiar to him, somewhere that he knows, somewhere that he's flourished in the past. I think that was a good option for him. I really do. He, listen, I suspect he had the option of going to a lot of other places, but familiarity and being loved is clearly something that he wanted. Players respond to different things, man management styles, familiarity, comfort, etc. It's clearly an environment that he likes and it's probably one that will work for him. I've said it before, what's to say that he doesn't come back at the end of the season to Manchester United with a different manager? We, I don't think he's, he's the quality of player for the transfer fee that they're paid and the expectation levels of him. He's not shown that yet, but there is there still potentially could be a future at Manchester United for him should Eric Ten Hag not be there in the summer. But for him personally, it's a good move. Yeah. Pete, what are your thoughts on that potentially? Yeah, I think it was a move that suited all parties that were involved. He wasn't going to get back into the Manchester United team after that much publicised public fallout with Eric Ten Hag. Um, he needed to go out and play a regular first-team football. Like Paul's mentioned, he's gone to a, a club that he knows well and a club that obviously loves him as, uh, in re in return. So he's gone there. He's back playing football. He's had an impact straight away as well. He's uh, created a couple of assists, I think, already in a few games for them. So he's back playing football with a smile on his face. So, yeah, it's a big six months for Jadon Sancho to be playing football for Borussia Dortmund, he'll be determined to have a good end to the season and then he'll go back to Old Trafford in the summer, see what's going on there because there is going to be big changes at Old Trafford under the Ineos uh, now part ownership and there'll be changes in the recruitment staff, there'll be changes in uh, transfers and uh, definitely there'll be changes with new players coming and going uh, at Old Trafford this season and, or in the summer, sorry, and there is a possibility of potentially a new manager being there as well, so it would be a clean slate for Jaden Sancho come next season. If there is a new manager, he'll, he'll have a chance to impress any potential new manager if Ten Hag does lose his job at Old Trafford as well. But yeah, I think it was a good move for everybody involved. Jaden Sancho gets to go to a club that he knows and gets to play regularly while Manchester United potentially gets an unsettling influence and a, a bit of a cloud that was hanging over the club out on loan. So he can go there and increase his price tag. And if Ten Hag is still manager there next season, they can probably sell him. 
and we'll move from the best deals to potentially the worst deals of the window. Or, albeit, Pete, of course, you just said there have only been 18 deals, so it's uh, it might be more challenging. The biggest one's just happened. I can officially break on football inside of the biggest deal of the January window has just happened. Lewis Hamilton has signed for Ferrari. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that might, that might be it. There we go. Look, we're we're crossing over sports now. We've gone we've gone from football to to F one. Um, <laughs> Pete, if we talk. If we try and sort of pinpoint maybe the lack of deals, that might be a more a, a more realistic route to go down. Do you think actually potentially we could say that this transfer window has been less exciting than previous windows because of the lack of spending? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely been less exciting. There's no doubt about that. Normally, um, January is called dry January when everybody goes off the excess of uh, alcohol from Christmas and everything. I think it's been dry January in the transfer window. It's been that dry. There hasn't been anything really of note. No money being spent, I think. Last time I looked, it was like just over 50 million spent when last January was 700 odd spent. And that was probably due to to Chelsea, uh, obviously splashing the cash uh, again for any of their big moves as well. Um, it's been a disappointing window, but that's, for the fans' perspective, it's been disappointing because we haven't seen a lot of money spent or big names arriving into the Premier League. But I think that's due to the effects of FFP and PSR. We've all seen what's happened to Everton and Nottingham Forest uh, being charged for breaching those uh, PSR rules and facing points deductions as well. Uh, Everton already hit with that 10-point deduction and that's really hurt them this season because if they had those 10 points, they'd be a lot higher up the Premier League table and wouldn't be involved in a relegation fight, but that's where they find themselves in. So clubs are now having to be careful and just can't go out there and splash the money, even if they wanted to. If you look at Newcastle's perspective, they have got the money to spend, uh, obviously owned by... Uh, the Saudi PIF fund, so they've got money to spend, but unable to do it now due to these FFP constraints. So it's a difficult one. Clubs, I think, are now being a bit more uh, savvy and a bit more wary of overspending and uh, having squads that are too bloated and too many players on their books. So that's what's probably made this uh, January window a lot quieter than normal and not a lot of money uh, exchanging hands. Paul, are you worried going forwards into the summer and potentially the next January transfer window this time next year that actually we could see a lack of spending entirely going forwards because of FFP? Listen, not worried. It's it's a it's a regulation that's that's been brought in for for a reason. To you know the to the independent regulator, uh, to the, the Premier League don't want that. They're they're doing their very very best to put these financial rules out there, and it just shows how many clubs are actually worried about it who are, who are towing the line closely. I mean, we've seen that the Premier League have shown the teeth with Everton and they've done it again with Everton again and Forest. So we're yet to see the outcome of, of that. And I think the, the clubs have now taken a, it's almost, you know, the the, the, the the boss has growled and everybody's gone, oh, hang on a minute, we need to get our shop in order first. And I mean, if you look at the window, like Pete says, I mean, 50 million this season, 780 last season, 332 the season before. The lowest ever window was 84. So we're, we're looking at the possibly the lowest ever window. And I mean, you look at the big clubs in the window, Arsenal, no one, Chelsea, no one, Liverpool, no one, United, Manchester United, no one, Newcastle, no one. And then you look at the list, I was doing it this morning, you look at the list of the clubs, club by club, incomings and outgoings. There's a majority of the clubs that have brought nobody in, but there's more than five to seven players that have left the clubs, which is, that, that tells you the story in itself of the window. It's all about deflating your squad, getting rid of excess wages that you don't need, basically getting your shop in order while trying to improve your squad, if you can. Yeah, no, that that is absolutely spot on. And Pete, I'm intrigued. Is this the quietest January window you've ever experienced working in terms of upcoming deals and news? Because it does just feel that actually there really hasn't been a lot. I mean, obviously, there hasn't been a lot going on at all. But it's, even in terms of rumours, generally, haven't really been, especially from what Paul's just said there, if you regard the top six and most Premier League sides, there haven't really been many incomings at all. Yeah, it's been one of the quietest ones, probably... The other quiet one was the one just uh, during COVID times, which for obvious reasons, there wasn't a lot of uh, money being spent then or a lot of players moving. So probably this one and the COVID one was probably the, the quietest windows, but I just think it's a sign of the times um, due to the PSR rules. Clubs are running scared of it right now. They don't want to have any problems with uh, the regulators that they might end up getting points deductions in that respect as well. And obviously some of the fees that clubs are demanding for players these days is going through the roof so it's making harder and harder for some of these uh potential moves to happen like we talked earlier in the show for chelsea to be demanding uh such a big price tag for amanda brogia who's not really done it in a chelsea shirt uh sort of 
makes you scratch your head, I think, in that respect. And then to be demanding a loan fee to let him go as well. Obviously, we know Chelsea are trying to balance their books, but clubs, even Premier League clubs, aren't going to be willing to pay that type of fee for a player like that. They'll just go elsewhere. So, yeah, it's been a difficult window. You speak to a lot of people, clubs, agents, everything else. They've found it difficult this year trying to generate interest uh, in players as well. But I think clubs now, as I said, just don't want to overstock on players and have loads of players sat on the books not playing and probably trying to streamline their squads going forward and everything else so yeah it's been a difficult window but I, I do imagine that obviously none of the big boys have done any business in this window but they're probably keeping their power to drive for the summer and I'm sure we'll still see uh, record spending in the summer like we did last summer. And talking of the future Peter we move on to potentially signings of yeah of the future some youngsters that might have come in whether it's permanent moves mainly on loan or, or loan to buys. Which players have you pinpointed for fans that we can look at and go, actually, these really could turn into stars? So what players that have come in this month? Yes, yeah, if there are any. There's not many. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how Giovanni Reyna gets on at Nottingham Forest. Um, very highly rated young player uh, when he was coming through at Borussia Dortmund. So it's a bit of a coup for Forrest to land him. I think if he was to come in and do well for Forest in the Premier League. I think you'll have some of the bigger Premier League clubs who might look at him in the summer. There's no option to buy for Forrest uh, in this loan deal. And he has ended up signing a new contract at Dortmund before he's gone to the city ground. Um, I'm intrigued to see how he copes in a team that's struggling at the wrong end of the table in the Premier League. But again, I think it's a shop window opportunity for him. If he does come and do well for Forrest in the Premier League, I think you'll have some of the maybe top six top six clubs looking at him come in the summer. And I think obviously he could be a player who uh, come and, could come and really light up the Premier League if he does show the form that he has shown on the international stage for the USA and also previously for Borussia Dortmund. And how about Lino Souza to Villa? I saw quite a lot of Arsenal fans on online on social media that were quite worried about losing him. Does he have a, a high ceiling? Yeah, definitely has a high ceiling. Um, very highly rated at Arsenal when they lured him away from West Brom, but he has been a long-term target for Aston Villa. They, they tried to sign him before he went to Arsenal when he was at West Brom, but there was a bit of a fallout between some of the academy staff, I think, between West Brom and Villa because some West Brom staff had gone to Villa and then West Brom was saying, you're not signing our players. So that's why he ended up going to Arsenal in the end, but Villa have continued to keep tabs on him. An England youth international left-back. He's, yeah. he's the modern-day full-back, eh, Lino Souza. Um, very good going forward, uh, can create goals and also score goals. So an exciting signing for Villa and obviously Villa planning for the future by trying to recruit some of these young players. He's going to sign for Villa today and then he's going straight out and loan to Plymouth to get regular first team football. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in the championship as well. But maybe this is the, the stance that Aston Villa are taking out, signing Souza, who's a young player, and also Morgan Rogers from Middlesbrough as well. They're spending big money on him as well and again he's done well at Middlesbrough but he was another young player touted for big things when Manchester City signed him funnily enough from West Brom as well so yeah West Brom have got a good track record of uh, developing these young players but then they do end up moving so two exciting young players for the future and it shows that Unai Emery's not just thinking about the here and now he is planning ahead and trying to recruit top young players for Villa in the future as well. Paul do you think that clubs transfer strategies have changed now with FFP are we more likely to see clubs bringing in like signings of the future rather than, rather than established stars, potentially. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the scouting network now that the clubs use, you look, you look at the player recruitment and the, the knowledge that players have. Another youngster, Valentin Barco, have I said that right, who's gone to Brighton, signed seven and a half million from Boca, left back, left wing back, 19 years old. He looks like one of the most exciting talents to come out of South America in, in recent times. And that's the type of network that they're going to be, that clubs are going to be using. We know that Brighton's recruitment is excellent. You look at the way that they they do. They sell top players for top prices. I mean, you look at Caicedo. What was it? Four and a half million they paid for him. Sold him for a hundred million. I mean, that's not bad business. This lad comes in at seven point eight million. They sell him for something something similar. That club have got a great business model. And it, the, the football clubs they've always been about a business model. They've always been about making money. But they're saying if you want to make money, you don't buy a football club. Football clubs succeed at the top level where there is endless pots of money. But with these FFP rules and the laws coming in now, the business model has to be a lot more stringent and a lot tighter than it's ever been. Hence the reason that we're seeing younger players bought for less for the future, moulding the squad. I mean, you look at Newcastle, the talk about Newcastle with Eddie Howe and potentially lose Gomez, Almiron, Trippier, 
those type of players and rejuvenate his squad. And that it's, it, it takes management to a different level, as in, you know, your, your, your transfers of players, etc. And player recruitment will be affected. Listen, the, the, the rules that Everton and Forrest have been charged with, the 105 million, we've spoke about it on here before, those rules are not fit for purpose. They're going to get changed because of the amount of money that players are going for. Those rules are going to get changed. We will see a, a broader horizon and, you know, more more leniency given with the finances. But there is going to be some kind of a line that the clubs are going to have to tell. Yeah, that's exactly right. And again, remains to be seen where, where that one unfolds. But definitely worth keeping your eye on Football Inside to get the latest news. If we move on to the best window for a specific club, I mean, really, only one name comes to mind, Pete. Surely that that title, if you want to call it that, has been given to Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, Tottenham have won uh, this transfer window. Um, I think they've been the busiest club, so that's why they win it straight away in that respect. But yeah, good signings, I think. Obviously, Dragerson was the big money signing of this window so far from Genoa, £25 million. I think, again, he's one for the future. He's maybe not going to get many minutes this season due to the form of Van de Ven and Romero, but yeah, he's, he looks a top Just player. Wait two weeks. <laughs> Romero will be suspended. He'll be in within two weeks. Are you saying, yeah. but Paul, what's the prediction? Are you saying two? Are we going two weeks then? Two weeks suspended, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, well, Van de Ven's hamstrings there hold up as well but yeah it's going to be I think he's a good signing for Tottenham uh, long term Dragson there's a lot of clubs who were looking at the Romanian so Tottenham have gone and pushed the button and spent that money on him and uh, again he just bolsters that uh, Tottenham rear guard who obviously they let Eric Dyer go to Bayern Munich as well so yeah good signing and as I said we spoke earlier about Timo Werner I think he's a very smart signing on loan a player with a Top uh, pedigree, played Champions League football, so I think he'll be a good fit for Tottenham. I think he's already slotted into the team seamlessly already, so yeah, he looks a good signing. But yeah, Tottenham have been the busiest club in this window. They've sort of kept this window alive, really, with their dealings and still talk that they might try and do another one if they can. They've obviously been frustrated in their attempts to sign Conor Gallagher with Chelsea's huge price tag on the England international, so that's one they might have to... Revisit and wait in the summer for Conor Gallagher. But yeah, Franz Postacoglu, he's obviously done a good job so far with, for Tottenham. And uh, he's been backed by Daniel Levy in this transfer market with those uh, couple of signings in uh, Werner and uh, Dragerson. So yeah, it's been a very productive window for Tottenham. And Paul, I was going to mention about Timo Werner earlier, but of course, I think it's worth saying now, he actually has as many Premier League assists this season so far since joining us, Marcus Rashford, Gabriel Martinelli and Luis Diaz. <coughs> what do you think his ceiling is going to be for Tottenham this season? And actually, how many goals and assists would be would be required effectively to sign him permanently? That's a good question. I don't think there is uh, an expectation of Timo Werner. I think that's probably the good thing because the expectation of with him coming in, everyone took everybody by surprise. Everybody was there and it was a split camp. And I think everybody went, oh, that wasn't great at Chelsea. Didn't really score the goals. That hasn't worked. And then people people thought about it and went, well, it's a free hit. He comes in, he's a squad player, the way that Ange plays, and already he's he's not hit the ground running, but you can see the way he fits into that side, the way he played last night. And I mean, and a former Chelsea player to get a standing ovation from the Spurs faithful after two or three games, mm -hmm. that shows the type of you know attitude and application and performance levels that he's reaching already. Um, it's, it was always going to be a difficult one for him coming to Tottenham as an ex-Chelsea player. But I think the the way that he plays and his application on the pitch, it just suits the way that the team play. And I think it's it, it is a free hit for both. I mean, he's he's got a lot to prove in the Premier League. I think he's got unfinished business here. And I think for for Tottenham, with the the, the size of the squad that they need to to compete this season, um, he, with Son leaving for the uh, the Asia Cup, as we know, he just gave them that other option. And whether it was going to be a short term option till the end of February, till Sonny came back and he was match fit. He's proven now that he's, he's going to be an integral part of the squad. As far as what it would take to sign him permanently, probably more performances similar to what he's given now. Yeah, that's right. And Pete, do you think going forwards, actually, clubs might adopt, the, if you want to call it the Spurs transfer business model of getting those deals done early so then not be pressured into making signings with FFP? Well, normally it was Spurs who did their business late in the transfer windows, Daniel Levy. Love those uh, late deals, uh, keeping the fans uh, hanging on for any new arrivals. So, yeah, it's been a change of tack from Spurs in this window. They've gone and done their business early. Um, I think it's smart. You want to get your players in at the start of January so they can have time to settle into the new club and uh, get used to their teammates and have an immediate impact, which obviously Timo Werner has already had at Spurs when he was definitely needed with Son being away and there was injuries to other players as well. But 
obviously, if you're going to get players in the way things are going now with FFP, you're going to have to let players go as well. So let's not forget that Tottenham have let quite a few players move out in this January transfer window as well. Some big earners as well. So Eric Darwent, Hugo Lloris has gone as well. Obviously, they've loaned out the likes of Sergio Reggion as well. So I think Spurs, although they've brought in a couple of signings, have made room in the squad by letting players leave as well. So, yeah, that's what you're going to have to do with FFP now. Look at Newcastle. It's been a case of if they wanted somebody in, they had to let somebody go uh, in this window if that was to happen for them. And that's due to the constraints of FFP. So, uh, I think that's the way clubs are going to have to deal with it right now until those FFP rules and uh, regulations are, as we've talked about before, changed and there's a bigger ceiling for the amount of debts that you can carry over over the three-year cycle. And if we move up to Newcastle, then let's talk about them. Pete, are we expecting to see any more exits from the club potentially? Or actually, do you think most are going to be rolling over to the summer potentially? Yeah, nothing's going to happen at Newcastle now before the deadline. Eddie Howe wants to keep hold of his squad and he needs to keep hold of his squad because they're still hit by injuries. Um, they had a great win the other night against Villa. That was the Newcastle that we were all uh, used to from last season. That was a proper Newcastle and Eddie Howe performance to go to Villa Park and get that win. Um, but yeah, he's been frustrated in this transfer market because he hasn't been able to bring in that midfielder that he's been desperately looking to bring in due to these FFP constraints. Um, they've obviously looked at a number of loan options, but haven't been able to find the player who they think can improve that team as well. So um, they've obviously had a lot of rumours and speculations surrounding a lot of their players in the futures. Kieran Trippi obviously had interest from Bayern Munich, a couple of bids rejected, but he's decided to stay put. Also, Miguel Amaron strongly linked with that move to Saudi Arabia, but th that move's now gone away as well, and he's happy and committed at Newcastle. Callum Wilson was mentioned as well, but Eddie Howe wasn't interested in letting Callum Wilson go as well because obviously they've had issues up front with Alex Isak now injured as well but I think the big one probably the summer to keep an eye on is going to be Bruno Guimaraes um, I think there'll be a lot of interest in him he's got this buyout clause in his deal as well of around 100 million um, I'm sure a lot of the big clubs will be ready to activate that in the summer the likes of PSG potentially Barcelona and there will potentially be interest in the Premier League as well and Bruno who's been a brilliant signing for Newcastle since uh, arriving from Lyon so they could make a big profit on him and I'm sure the player himself, although he does love Newcastle and signed a new deal not too long ago, he will want to play Champions League football, which is unlikely to be on offer at Newcastle uh, next season. And Paul, should Newcastle fans be concerned? I mean, Pete's listed off there five or the four or five big, you know, big key players. We're not talking about fringe players or players that are looking looking likely to be <coughs> In a different world, if they're in the competing in the Champions League and, and all of those things, obviously they, there are big names now that could go. Should the fans be worried? The frustrating thing for, for Newcastle fans and, and a lot of football watching Newcastle is how is this happening to the richest club in the world and understanding the financial constraints and as, as to why they're having to do it. Um, you know, the global reach of Newcastle, the income versus the outgoing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all, all comes into play. But I think that. It's, it's not coming down to earth with a bump for Newcastle, but it's just a little bit of reality after all the, the 12, 18 months of we're the richest club in the world, we've got all these riches now, we're going to go and sign the world's best players to within 12 months, oh, we might lose our best player in, in Bruno or Trippier might have to leave, Almiron might have to leave. And the realisation of these financial restraints, I think, are the most frustrating things for Newcastle fans because, you know, like I said, the wealth that came into the club and the, that the club have clearly got there's unlimited wealth at the club. They are the richest club in the world, yet they're having to tie, tie these financial restraints until a few years down the line where the, the business model's different, the income's different to the outgoing, etc. Um, they're a global superpower uh, alongside the likes of Manchester United, Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, that level, they're competing in the Champions League and the revenue that's coming in matches up with, with outgoing revenue. And, and with these FFP rules now and the way that they're tightening the belt on it, it's something that the Newcastle fans, like the rest of us, are going to have to learn to live with. Yeah, that's right. Pete, are you expecting, of those that you've listed, that also Paul's mentioned in there, how many are you expecting to go? Because, of course, they are towing a very fine line. Are we looking at one deal, two, three? How many can we expect potentially to see leave? Um, it's hard to tell. Obviously, a lot will depend on where Newcastle finish the season. If they finish strongly and manage to sneak in to the top four, top six, uh, I'm sure that'll, that will persuade a lot of players to stay because there'll be European football football on offer again at St. James's Park. Um, I think, obviously, Kieran Trippier 
was interested there from Bayern Munich, but I expect him now to remain at Newcastle. He's the club captain as well. Um, I think he's obviously said he's 100% committed to the club as well. And Eddie Howe won't want to lose him. Um, I think Bruno Gomes is the big one. He's probably the one who will attract the biggest <coughs> transfer due to his release clause. So he's to me, he seems the most likely one that could possibly leave. There'll be big interest, big offers come in from big clubs for him as well, I think. So he's probably the one for me most likely to leave. But I'm sure there'll be a clubs maybe looking at Alex Isak as well as a potential transfer target because if Newcastle do need to sell before they can do some business in the summer transfer window, they could find the vultures surrounding a number of their players. And then for me, Bruno Guimaraes is probably the top one, the top player who's, for me, the most sellable asset as well due to his price tag. So I think for Newcastle, if they let Bruno, if they did cash in on Bruno, it would uh, allow them maybe to bring in a, a couple of new signings. So as much as it'll be a blow to lose such a key man as Bruno, I think it would uh, allow Eddie Howe maybe to go out and strengthen in a, a couple of other positions uh, for next summer. And if we move from Newcastle up to Glasgow and talk about Celtic, Pete, are we expecting to see any more signings at Celtic Park today? I mean, one player that's been heavily linked, Adam Eder from Norwich City. Do you think he's, is he likely to join the club? Yeah, that deal will get done. It's agreed uh, between the two clubs, uh, an initial loan deal. He flew up to Glasgow last night uh, for his medical, so that'll be uh, ongoing right now as well. So don't envisage any problems for that one. Um, it's an interesting signing. Uh, if you, I've seen some stuff in social media saying some Celtic fans aren't sure about it, um, but he's a talented player. Either whenever I've seen him, he's got huge potential. Um, obviously, hasn't really worked out for him at Norwich, um, but I think going up to Celtic and playing under Brendan Rodgers will be beneficial for the player as well, and he'll be hoping to go up there hit the ground running, scores of the goals to maybe help Celtic uh, retain the Scottish Premier League title as well. So I think for Adam Eda, it's a big opportunity for him and I'm sure it's an opportunity he'll be looking to grasp with both hands. And for Celtic themselves, I think I don't expect too many other new signings coming in between now and the deadline. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is looking. They have uh, been looking at left back most of this January transfer window as well. So they would still be interested in doing that. But, but I think there's not a lot of money going to be spent up at Celtic Park. So maybe a loan signing for a left-back before the close of the window is probably the only, only other new arrival on top of Adam Eder that uh, I think Celtic will do. And Cameron Carter-Vick has penned a new long-term deal fairly recently. There was some interest, as we know, in this January transfer window for us from some Premier League clubs. Are we expecting more bids in the summer peak? Can, can we potentially see him moving from the Scottish Premiership down to the Premier League? Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, obviously, it was a big boost for Celtic to tie him down to that new long-term contract. And obviously for Carter Vickers, it was uh, improved personal terms for him as well, so to keep him happy. But if he continues to impress for Celtic, there's no doubts that uh, Premier League clubs will come calling for the American international at some point. Um, obviously, he was at Tottenham, but he never really had much of a look in during his time at the club, and he ended up going up to Celtic. And that's where we've seen the best of Carter Vickers. Um, but I do imagine... If uh, come the summer, there will be a few Premier League clubs who are looking to bolster centre-back. Carter Vickers will be a name that will be on their lists. But for Celtic's uh, point, they'll be hoping to keep hold of him because they'll be hoping another Champions League campaign next season, if they are in the Champions League, could persuade the player to stay as well. So when it does come down to it, unfortunately for the likes of Celtic and Rangers, they're not able to compete with the Premier League clubs in England and the, the money that's on offer and the, the transfer fees that might be paid by the Premier League clubs uh, Celtic and Rangers find it hard to turn down and that's why it's hard to keep hold of your best players in the end. One player, Paul, to mention actually, Joe Hart, 36 now. His contract expires end of the season. Do you think he should extend his stay? Could he be? Would he be a good number two potentially for a number one coming in in the summer? Um, what are your thoughts? Or should he move on at the end of the season? Well, it depends what his aspirations are. And at 36, if you you know if you want him to play first-team football, there's been talk that Brendan Rodgers is going to replace him for a while. Um, his form's not been at the level that you would expect it week in and week out. I think a few Celtic fans, there's been a few moans about the way that he's, he's played at times. I listen, he's still a top quality goalkeeper and he can still do a job. Whether he's ready to sit on the bench and be a number two, because at that age, when you've been a number one the majority of your life, you look at the career he's had at Manchester City, at Burnley, yes, he was number two at Tottenham. If you're willing to accept that role as a number two, he went back up north of the border to Celtic, rejuvenated his career, like a lot of English goalkeepers have done. You look at what Fraser Forster did when he went up there as well. They've, they've been fantastic in Jack Butland at Rangers this year. He's having an excellent season. And I think it's been a real, it's not a safe haven for English goalkeepers who may be going through a bit of a bad time. They've gone up to Scotland and they've excelled. And I think Joe Hart's done that and he's been fantastic. 
it's for him personally whether he wants to accept the role as a number two and be that mentor which i mean you look at what scott carson's doing at, at manchester city i mean he's he's a number three the important thing as for english teams is to have that englishman in the squad and a number three goalkeeper regardless of what age you're at ticks a box you know you look at grant at manchester united who's done it for a long time you look at a lot of clubs number threes it's an old english goalkeeper an older english goalkeeper with the experience and i think joe hart will fit tick that box at some point if he wants to elongate his career. But on the subject of goalkeepers, while, while we're there, Nottingham Forest, I'm just hearing the steps up their interest in Matt Sells from Strasbourg, 31-year-old goalkeeper. Um, six Belgian caps. He's an experienced goalkeeper at 31, but they're, they're clearly not happy and they want a quick fix. Matt Turner and Vlacodimos, I mean, we all know that Nuno was a goalkeeper. Espirito de Santa was a goalkeeper himself. He's come in, he's rotated Turner and Vlacodimos. And we know that a goalkeeper is something that Forrest have looked at. And at the moment, it looks like Sells is is a quick fix for him. Sorry to change the subject. No, not at all. That would be yeah, very, very well talked about. But we're definitely going to want to keep an eye on. Same with Joe Hart, too. I think both of those moves, both short-term and long-term, are actually really interesting. If we move to the other side of Glasgow, Pete, and talk about Rangers, are there any updates, Pete, on potential incomings for them? Or are we likely to see anyone else come through the door before the end of the window, or equally going into the summer? Yeah, obviously, they've had a... Decent January so far with Fabio Silva coming in from Wolves. Also, Diamandi, the midfielder from Norgeland, who's coming on loan when the move will become permanent in the summer. Very highly rated uh, midfielder, all action. So he looks like a, an exciting player for Rangers fans to look forward to seeing in the blue shirt as well. I think Philippe Clement would like to bring in another striker if he possibly could. Um, there's been a few injury problems for him in attack. Kamar Roof's on the sidelines again. So they've been looking at a player from Lons, Oscar Cortez. Um, so they're hoping that they might be able to get a deal done for him. It's not it's not going to be straightforward. And th they were interested in a Brazilian left-back, Jefte, who's been playing in Cyprus, but the Cypriot club have blocked that one right now. He's on loan there. So that deal looks like it's off for now. So uh, Rangers might have to look elsewhere for a left-back. So you're finding the two all firm right now in this uh, last day of the transfer window, both scrambling around for a left-back. So they'll probably both be targeting um, the same types of players as well. So it could be a straight choice between uh, either going to Celtic or Rangers for some players uh, in these final few hours of the window. But yeah, I think Rangers have had a decent January window so far and I'm sure Philippe Clement will be hoping uh, he can build on what he's done so far and come the summer, I'd imagine there'll be quite a few changes at uh, Ibrox as well as a number of first-team players right now who are out of contract and could potentially leave on free transfers. And what about Lauren Shank? And of course, he's in the man on everyone's lips at Ibrox, of course. Um, it, we believe that Rangers sent scouts over the weekend to watch him at Hearts. Do we think that he could leave? I mean, again, a, a shock move happens. We'll have to wait and see in this January window. But Pete, is it looking more likely potentially that it's going to be happening in the summer if it is to happen? Yeah, I think it's probably more likely now. With uh, so little time left in this window uh, for a move to happen that Lawrence Shanklin could be maybe on the move in the summer transfer window rather than now. Obviously, Rangers do have an interest in the Scotland international. He's had a great season for Hearts. Hearts are desperate to tie him down to a new contract. I've made him a couple of offers, but there's been no agreement as yet between Shanklin and Hearts. Uh, Rangers are obviously sitting in the shadows ready to pounce for Shanklin if he doesn't agree this new contract as well. But I don't think it'll happen this month because Hearts don't want to lose him and they, they would price him out of a potential move because they would be looking at a huge fee for their captain and their top goal scorer uh, this season. So I don't think Rangers could get to the numbers that Hearts would probably want to uh, allow your Lawrence Shanklin to leave Tynecastle uh, before the close of the transfer window. Hearts have got not by selling him in, in this window. I mean, the player's value is not going to go down between now and the end of the season. And, you know, barring injury, the, the player's value is going to be exactly the same. Hearts stand absolutely nothing to gain by letting the player go now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And one last player to talk about a Rangers, Pete, of course, Abdallah Seema. Is it likely then if they were to bring in Shanklin, would they be able to bring in Seema as well? Could they bring in two, effectively one superstar at the club already and then another to come in? What would be the, what would be the chances of that happening? Yeah, obviously, it's a deal that Rangers would like to do. Obviously, it's a big blow for them now that he's picked up this injury away on international duty. So we might not see him again between now and the end of the season. So obviously, that will come into Rangers thinking as well over his long-term fitness. Um, but yeah, Shanklin, if they do sign him next season, is going to cost uh, a decent amount. And uh, obviously, slightly different players. See, we can play out wide or down the middle. Uh, but Brighton will be looking a decent fee for Seema. So it, a lot will depend on what the budget Rangers have got. Uh, if Rangers have Champions League football, that will obviously boost the transfer coffers 
for next summer and that would uh, increase their chances of maybe doing a double deal for Shanklin and Seema. But yeah, there's definitely two deals that they would like to do, but a lot will come down to the budget and uh, again, we'll see what happens when Seema comes back from this injury and uh, what Brighton want to do with him. And if we wrap up now and talk about ones to watch potentially going into the summer, those names that haven't moved in this window or are unlikely to move at this point, but could potentially move in the summer. Paul, who have you got your eye on going into the summer transfer window that could potentially be on the move? Well, it's, it's always one to watch. I mean, it's, it's an obvious one, isn't it? But it's Mbappe. I mean, where, where's mm. he going to go? Where's he going to end up? I mean, it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's a fantastic talent, one of the best that we'll ever see in, in our lifetime. Um, but it's you know, regarding speculation, regarding transfer fees, Regarding presidents' egos, presidents want to have the best player in the world, owners wanting to have him. He's, he's the gift that keeps on giving. And regardless of, of whether he signs a contract, whether he, he, he makes noises of wanting to leave a club, we will always speculate. And, and will that Real Madrid deal ever happen for him? <laughs> what do you reckon, Pete? If you had to make an early prediction, do you reckon he's, do you reckon he's, he's Madrid-bound in the summer? Is he going to be at PSG until 2031? What's the likelihood for him? I think uh, this is probably his last opportunity to go to Real Madrid. Um, he's been flirting with it for quite a while now. You don't turn down Real Madrid twice, in my opinion. So I think if it's to happen, it's going to happen now. And he'll go as a free agent to Real Madrid. And it's probably the start of the new Galacticos era at Real Madrid when you've got Kylian Mbappe and Jude Bellingham in the same team. It's a formidable thought for Real Madrid fans and for the rest of Europe that they, those two could be in the same side uh, come next season as well. So I think... All signs should point to a move to Real Madrid, but we thought that before and he did a U-turn and ended up staying at PSG as well. So who knows what's going on in Kylian Mbappe's head. Whoever offers the best deal, that's what uh, Kylian Mbappe will do. And whether that's PSG or Real Madrid, we'll have to wait. But yeah, it's, it's going to be another transfer saga this summer. What's going on with Kylian Mbappe? No doubts. Yeah, I mean, not, not a bad pair that would be, Jude Bellingham and Kylian Mbappe. I don't, think they, I don't think they do too badly in the league or all the Champions League. They, they might do all right, I reckon. Um, what about any other names, Pete? Of course, we've spoken previously about Douglas Luiz. Seems like he has quite a few suitors. I know we've spoken about Arsenal before. Is that likely to, to come to fruition? Can you see that one potentially happening? Yeah, it potentially could happen. Um, he's been a revelation for Villa this season, Douglas Luiz. He's uh, been outstanding for them. So there will be interest in the Brazilian, I'm sure, come the summer. And we're seeing a few signs coming out of Villa that they might have to sell to buy as well. Rumours of Jacob Ramsey might have to be uh, cashed in on because he's a homegrown player and it'd be pure profit from him. And you would never have thought that had been the case at Villa, uh, say 12 months ago, because Jacob Ramsey was the big hope at Villa Park that they were going to build a team around. So that just shows that maybe now Villa, who obviously spent big in the last few transfer windows, might have to do a bit of housekeeping as well and maybe sell one of their top stars to allow them to do further deals. And that will only uh, give encouragement to his suitors that. He could be prized away from Villa Park in the summer as well. And probably one other name to keep an eye out on. He's been talked a lot in this January transfer window. Conor Gallagher at Chelsea. What is he going to do? Um, still no nearer signing a new contract. Uh, come the summer, he'll only have a year left on his, uh, his deal at Stamford Bridge. And I'm sure Tottenham, who would like to sign him this window, will probably step up their efforts to try and sign the England international in the summer because they'll have uh, a bigger budget to go out and sign him. And obviously Chelsea will maybe have to force the cash in on him to fund their own signings uh, in the summer transfer window from Richie Pochettino. Paul, is that a deal that you'd like to see done? Do you think he'd, he'd bolster the squad? I wouldn't bolster the squad. It'd, be, it'd improve the starting eleven. I mean, you mm -hmm. see he's a fantastic player when when he's fit, when he's available. Pochettino plays him and he puts the armband on him at times as well. He's uh, an excellent midfielder, box-to-box -box midfielder, combative, uh, wears his heart on his sleeve, but he has a lot of quality as well. And I think the way that Tottenham play, the, the high press, the, the, the high energy in midfield, he would be a fantastic addition, not to the squad, but to the starting eleven. He'd have a real impact. Absolutely. Pete, what, what sort of valuation are we talking about? I know we've spoken again, Douglas Dewey's 100 million, Declan Rice, 100 plus million. Is, is he looking at in that category or do you think it'd be slightly less potentially for, for Comic? Oh, def definitely a lot less um, due to his contract situation. He'll only have a year left uh, come the summer transfer window and doesn't seem he's any nearer to agreeing a new contract. So... They were asking around 50 million for Conor Gallagher, 50 to 60 for this January transfer window. So six months further down the line, I think that price tag has to come down for me. So you're probably looking between 40 to 50 for Conor Gallagher. And I'm sure those clubs will be waiting to see if uh, he doesn't sign a new contract that they maybe will hope to get him and offer an even cheaper fee as well. And Conor Gallagher's in a good position himself. He could uh, stay at Chelsea. He doesn't really want to leave Chelsea. 
would he be brave enough to run down his contract and potentially leave on a free transfer in 2025? There's a possibility that could happen as well, but Chelsea don't want that to happen. They would uh, prefer to sell him if he's not going to sign a new contract and the player himself, he's in the box seat right now because if Chelsea do put him up for sale in the summer, there'll be a number of takers for him. But if he wants to sit tight and stay at Chelsea, he could uh, put them in a bit of danger by uh, running down his contract and potentially leaving for free. It remains to be seen. Well, that is everything. Thank you so much all for tuning into this live recording of the Inside Track podcast. Many thanks, of course, to Paul and Pete for your expert analysis and detail on all the stories we've covered it today. If you have enjoyed this podcast episode, please give it a share on social media wherever you can. And any clips you see on YouTube, make sure to give us a like and a comment as well as subscribing to the channel. Make sure to follow our social media pages on throughout the day on this transfer deadline day to stay up to date with all the latest news and content. I'm Lewis Pierce. Thank you all so much for watching. Really enjoyed it. And enjoy your transfer deadline day. Speak to you later.